This is our second session on 1 Thessalonians 3, 6-10. Now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress, in all our distress, and affliction, we have been encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice because of you before our God. As we pray earnestly, most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So our focus now is on this rhetorical question, question mark there, which turns out to be a kind of argument with that four. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? for all the joy with which we rejoice because of you before our God. So, Father, as we try to discern how this joy relates to this living, relates to this encouraging, and what that might say for the deepest values and emotions of our lives, please open our eyes, shape our hearts, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just to rehearse the reasoning from verse 7 on, Timothy brought good news about the fact their faith had not been shaken, the tribulations they were going through did not cause their faith to fail, and for this reason, in all distress and affliction, they are mightily encouraged. Paul is mightily encouraged through you, you could just say you, but he means through your faith. And then he gives this reason, because your standing in the Lord, in faith, is our life. And that living or life is evidently then, because of this for, intended to show that this encouragement here flows from the life that rises up in Paul when he sees faith sustained in the hearts of his converts. And then comes another argument or support for and he asks a question. Now, this is a rhetorical question. It has no answer. A rhetorical question is when you ask a question and you don't give an answer because you expect people to be able to give the answer themselves. So here's the rule of thumb in interpretation. Anytime you see a question in the Bible that has no answer given to it, 
you're expected to supply the answer, and in supplying the answer, the question becomes a statement. So let's just watch that in a couple of instances. My favorite verse, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? No answer. He expects us to supply the answer. And the answer is, there's no way that he will not graciously give us all things, right? So you translate it, since God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, most definitely will he also with him graciously give us all things. That's what he expects us to do with that rhetorical question. What about this one? What accord has Christ with Belial, Satan, the devil? Answer, none. So we should, in our minds, think, Christ has no accord with Belial. Or, what portion does a believer have with an unbeliever? None. That's what he expects us to do. Or here, this one is really important theologically. In Galatians 3, 5, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? No answer, because he expects us to answer, no, not by works of the law. Of course, by hearing with faith, we receive the Spirit for the working of miracles in our lives. So, when we see a question like this, we must put it into a statement. What would the statement be? The question is, what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice because of you before our God? Let's leave this off for now. And the answer is none. What do you mean none? It's just beyond expression. Isn't that the point? This joy, this joy is beyond expression. What thanksgiving can we return? How can we put this joy into words of thanks that come anywhere close to adequate? And the answer is you can't. So this is a high-level intensification of what has gone before because of, here's the word for. So now I think we're in a position to figure out how this argument works to support verse 8, and then how verse 8 is strengthened in its support for verse 7, because that's what you've got is these, is these two statements that are arguments or supports. So this one says, because our joy in you, and this in you is the same as this in you, right? Encouraged about you, and we understand then through your faith. So you could say, because of your faith. So our joy in your faith before God is so deep, so high, and so wide. It exceeds my ability to put my thanks into words. Therefore, 
your standing in faith is my life. Now that's huge because it confirms what we saw last time. Remember, I went over last time to Philippians 2.17, where Paul said, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering in death, upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, in other words, if I'm about to die for your faith, guess what? I'm so glad. I'm so glad that faith is going to happen because of my death. I rejoice with you all. That's how much I value your faith. Your faith is my life, that is, my joy. So now we're back here and we see that joy is the support for life, right? When you stand in faith, we live because your joy, I mean, your faith is our joy, and it is our joy to such a degree we can't even put our thanks into words. And that's why I call it my life, and that's why I am so encouraged in my distress and affliction by hearing of your faith. So I think the lesson for us is does our faith and does our labor to help others have faith have this ranking of value in our life? Can we say our joy in a person because of their faith is a joy that is so great it exceeds our capacity to give thanks to God. And thus, can we say that joy is at the very essence of our life? And thus, when we hear that someone has faith, we are encouraged right in the midst of the worst of times. That's the lesson for us. And then he ends this rhetorical question, maybe surprisingly. The first part of verse 10 is not surprising. It says, as we most earnestly night and day pray that we may see you face to face. That, that underlines his affection for them and his desire to see them. But he closes, and we'll take this up next time. And one of the reasons I want to come to you is to supply what is lacking. Oh my, is that a downer here now? He's just so super super happy, super lively, super encouraged by their faith. And he ends on the note of, there are some things lacking. <laughs> and I want to come and be a part of the repair job or the supply job for that. So what is that? That's next time.